0: This is the Advanced Scout with Tom Opperman and Matt Williamson.
1: Matt, it's tough to find the words to describe just how bad last week was for mm-hmm. the Steelers, so we'll just open it up with this stat. It was the greatest margin of defeat for a home game under Mike Tomlin. So it doesn't get much worse when they're playing at Heinz Field slash AccraSure Stadium.
2: Yeah, good point. I mean, it was ugly. It got ugly early. They played a really good team, and it showed. And I think a week ago on this podcast, we may have undersold the Niners a little bit. And we gave him a lot of credit, but I didn't see that buzz saw coming.
1: More specifically, we undersold Purdy a little bit on the last broadcast too. That's for sure. Pretty That's impressive. Sure. Still not completely sold on him, as I'm sure you're not either. True but that was pretty impressive coming he off was of that a much injury. better quarterback that day he looked There's like no uh, doubt I heard a lot that. of people say he looked like the first round pick and mm-hmm. think it looked like Mr irrelevant before we turn the page on San Francisco I do have to throw this in here too okay with the exception of Kansas City who had a oh, buy is and di- isn't it nuts who had a buy and didn't play a game after playing the 49ers last year every team that played San Francisco lost the following week last season collectively going 0 and 15 which is the first time in NFL
2: history that that has ever occurred. It's bonkers, and I have two, two reasons for it. First of all, the Niners played a very easy schedule last year, so a lot of those teams were bad and played bad the following week. But more so, I think the Niners just beat the crap out of you, and it takes a toll. When I saw that stat, when you emailed that stat yeah. blast to me, it reminded me
1: of that other stat that I think you like to throw out there where when the Steelers and the Ravens play, yeah, exactly. always bet the other team the next week. They're exactly. going to cover the spread because they're the just in a play. rock fight. So it's going to be, they're going to be sore. It's going to be, you're not going to get their best effort, even if they yeah. want to try.
2: So at least you get the extra day, though, for this one. And it's at home and, right. you know, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, 0 15 is pretty telling.
1: Well, Cleveland comes to town, 24 to 3 victory over the Bengals. So they've got some momentum. But Matt Cleveland always beats the Bengals, so I mean, they you know, do. people are saying, "Oh, look out for the Browns." They've proven that they might be different this year. Yeah, this happens every year, even mm-hmm. when Burrow's there. If they come in Akron and beat the Steelers. That'll be that first. Oh, yeah, they might be a little bit better than we expected them to be. The team split last year, each team winning at home. Here's a great stat about how bad Cleveland is, though: fifteen straight seasons, the Browns have had a negative true. point yeah. differential dating back to two thousand and eight. That's the longest streak of its kind in NFL history. And last year, the Browns were outscored by twenty points. They were like the most basic even team in the history of the NFL. They really were. 42 touchdowns scored, 42 touchdowns allowed. Their running game averaged 4.7 yards per carry, and then they also allowed 4.7 yards per carry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. nuts. Yeah. I mean, they were just basic. Imagine that 15 years in, years in a row though, is nuts. Is nuts.
2: Yeah. I mean, at least they're in the plus after one week.
1: Now, before we get into the series history and the offense and defense for the Browns, just one other note I wanted to bring up was the rivalry within the rivalry. TJ Watt versus Miles Garrett. Coming into the 2023 season, they've been drafted in the same year, tied for the most career sacks per game all time at .89, and Watt leads the NFL with 77.5 sacks since entering the league in 2017. Watt is also first in quarterback hits and forced fumbles during that time. Watt and Garrett combined for four sacks in week one, three by Watt. He also forced two fumbles and recovered one. So it's just amazing to see in this rivalry between these two great mm-hmm. teams, this rivalry at that position kind of emerging and being consistent two year of after best. year.
2: Two of the best. I mean, almost a sack a game for both of them. Nuts. And what's bonkers, though, is as people know, especially last year, TJ missed a lot of games and still nobody's out sacked him since he came in the league, including Garrett. I mean, it's pretty, in- pretty impressive.
1: The Steelers and Browns have met 143 times dating back to 1950 of those 143 matchups. Only three have been in the postseason. Pittsburgh is two and one in the playoffs against the Browns. Overall, this series sits at 80, 62, and 1. To begin this series, Cleveland ripped off an eight-game winning streak, won 12 of the first 13 contests, and only had two losses out of the first 18 times they met. And then that was pretty much it for the Browns' success. In 1962, the tide started to change. The Browns won four games between that point and 1983. And then even more extreme, in 1994, Pittsburgh won 42 of the next 50 games with a tie thrown in during that time. So you want to talk about big brother versus little brother syndrome, this rivalry pretty much defines that.
2: It does. And the one thing, I mean, I know this is ancient history, but the Browns were one of the best organizations in the league pre-Super Bowl and when the Steelers were just dismal. But since the Super Bowl era, it hasn't been close.
1: Taking a look at the Browns offensively, I think it obviously starts with Nick Chubb. I mean, he's the catalyst for the offense, and – that's where we should start because I think stopping him is key for Pittsburgh. It's so much easier said than done now, too, though, Matt, with the injuries to the Pittsburghs off our defensive line.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Hayward thing is a real problem, obviously. I'm really excited about Benton. I'm hoping this opens the door for him to become a yeah. real He played well, player. too, against the he Niners. Did. Some good One tape that he put out was. there. Yeah.
1: He worked that center quite a bit late I, in that I game. Was, I think it went unnoticed because it was just so out of hand, but I he had. did.
2: I actually wrote an article of... Players that didn't stink in that game not named T.J. Watt. (laughs) And Benton was like the top of the list. (laughs)
1: All right, let's put into perspective how good Chubb is. Throughout NFL history, there are only 129 instances of a running back averaging five or more yards per carry with at least 190 carries. Here are the only runners with more than three such seasons in their career. Chubb, who's five for five so he's far. Five five. So he's, he's literally five opportunities He's literally there. perfect right now. Jim Brown had did it nine times. He was pretty good. Yeah. Barry Sanders did it ten times. Probably would have done it more if he just decided to play a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Jamal Charles did it 11 times. Fantasy darling, Jamal Charles. Oh, yeah, yeah. No surprise to Breaker. see him there. Yeah. Chubb has never finished worse than eighth in the league in yards per carry per attempt amongst running backs since his rookie year. Over the 2021 and 2022 seasons, Nick Chubb gained at least 10 yards on 16.6% of his rushing attempts. Wow. He has also gained 20 or more yards on 4.7% of his rushes. Both are the best in the league over that time, and since 2018, Chubb ranks second in rushing yards as well as rushing touchdowns. I'm sure you can put together who he might rank second behind mm-hmm. in both of those categories. If it wasn't for another generational running back rumbling through the NFL in Tennessee during the same kind of timeline, Chubb would be would something that wild. you have never seen before. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean, he's Eric Dickerson. He's you know Walter Payton. I mean, I mean, those guys aren't featured as much as they were when I was a kid. But he's the best ball carrier on the planet right now. I mean, maybe McCaffrey's the better football player who they got last week, right? But yeah, hot start of, for that position. Yeah, yeah. Just like the the edge guys are going to see. Right. And they get Josh Jacobs next week and Max Crosby next <laughs> week. Yeah. It really does not <laughs> stop. No, right.
1: Uh, six best rushing offense in football last year for the Browns. They had the second most yards uh, of week one via the ground, and Chubb, uh, like we said, is the identity. They don't have cream hunt. Jerome Ford is the first one to get a crack at the backup spot. Last week, Chubb ran for 106 yards. He caught four passes, the most of any Browns player. However, Chubb and Ford were each in the game for 34% of Cleveland's pass plays. Uh, but Chubb was the only running back that earned a target against the Bengals, and that's pretty odd for Nick Chubb it is. because he's been held under 30 catches and 240 receiving yards every year that Kevin Stefanski has has been there. Uh, he averages just a little over 30 targets per game since entering the league, so he's not really a weapon in the mm-hmm. passing game. That's kind of what Kareem Hunt's bag was when they had him uh-huh. there. Is Jerome Ford not that kind of player either? Um, Chubb just elevated say, above cause... him in that aspect.
2: I think Chubb will catch more passes than ever because the number two guys so far behind him. Yeah, it's, Hunt it's wasn't a clear one. Now. Yeah, but he's a dump off guy. I mean, he's not a route runner. So, what's amazing about the Chubb numbers too is he's really not been a huge snap count guy over his career. You know, I mean, in terms of he's not out there eighty percent of the snaps. Fifty
1: three point one percent of their yeah. snaps, okay. just a little over half the time. That's got to change this year. It I, did. I it did spike. week one. Against Cincinnati, or against mm-hmm. Cincinnati, when Jerome Ford was on the field, thirty-four percent of the time. So it was Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they were really splitting that much duty. No,
2: no. I mean, he's going to be the clear one, but boy, I mean, his career is remarkable.
1: And as that game went on a little later, you look at the box score: eighteen carries for Chubb, fifteen for Ford. And you don't want to really wear down Chubb that badly
2: mm-hmm. late when you're already in control. I was of the say the game, game was pretty yeah. much in hand. I mean, the way the, what they did to Cincinnati's defense was or offense was ridiculous.
1: The biggest wild card for Cleveland, uh, I think, a lot of. The main reason why people had them either maybe winning the division as a dark horse or finishing dead last is Deshaun Watson. Uh, He played okay last week. He threw an awful interception. I mean, just one of the worst ones I saw in week one. Uh, But he had a nice rushing touchdown, 48 yards on the ground. And in Watson's six games last year, he averaged 29.2 rushing yards per game. So that's still an aspect of his game that you kind of got to keep an eye on. Thirty yards per game. Oh, yeah. Forty eight last week against Cincinnati in the touchdown. He'll get a big first down with his feet if he has to. No
2: question. And they even did some things in the, the the first week where didn't even have a running back on the field. Like maybe three tight ends, two receivers, or two tight ends, three receivers, and still ran the ball. You know, like right. they treated him like it doesn't mean that they're not gonna run out of those situations.
1: Last year Watson was just awful to the Browns offense. They generated just one point two two points per drive, which was thirtieth during the time frame when Watson took over. Uh, to the end of the season last year in the NFL. Over his six games last year for the Browns, he also completed a ca- career-low 58.2% of his passes, career-low marks in yards per pass attempt, yards per completion, and touchdown rate as well. His interception rate was the highest that Watson had since he was a rookie in the league. But in his three full seasons, he's never dipped below 4,400 passing yards. He has an 89-29 to 29 TD to interception ratio. In his last full year... 4,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. You can see why the Browns are so enticed and why yeah. this guy keeps getting chance after chance.
2: No doubt. I mean, when he, at his peak, which was a long time ago, people don't realize he had a 700-day layoff between Phew. playing with his suspension and holding out and all the stuff that went on. But he was knocking on the door as a top three-type quarterback last we saw him in Houston, which, again, was like, I don't know, a thousand days ago or something like that. <laughs> but since he's been a Brown, he's been pretty terrible. Yeah, and he looked okay in okay. week one. Yeah.
1: But to me, it kind of looked more like a quarterback that had an offseason to get comfortable mm-hmm. in the offense, and he wasn't going to make a huge mistake, even though the interception was terrible. He was going to be able to manage that offense like, better than he was when and, he just yeah. dropped in from the clouds last year.
2: And that is asking a lot. I mean, like, yeah. if you're a Watson apologist, and frankly, there's not a lot of them out there. <laughs> not here. <laughs> I mean, they will tell you, well, he had an insane layoff. And if you're suspended, you're not even in the meeting rooms or practice with anything. the team. Yep. You just show up and play. It's not like being injured. No, it's not like being injured. And they, he played in really bad weather and against really good defenses when he got back. Exactly, but and, it was still awful.
1: And in the prime of the season, where teams are tuned up, mm-hmm. I mean they've had three months to get themselves in gear. They're making the playoff push now. Yeah, it was, it, it was a tough situation. Deck was stacked against him, him but I, I kind of like that the deck was stacked <laughs> against him. To be <laughs> honest with you, yeah. not
2: too many people are weeping <laughs> for him. Yeah.
1: Uh, what about his targets? Amari Cooper obviously had the highest target share last year, 26.1 percent of the targets. He has 26.1 percent target share in every route run in his career. So that's pretty much par for the course for Cooper. He was targeted 132 times. That's career high for him. His nine touchdowns were also a career high. So a very sneaky career year last yeah. year for one of the better really wide receivers. It. Yeah. Um, Jacoby Brissett though was his bread and butter. He averaged 0.64 touchdowns per game with him. That was pretty much cut in half with Watson to 0.33 touchdowns. The per entire game. offense
2: was much better with Brissett than Watson.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you really were looking wise. to make the playoffs last year, the move mm-hmm. was to probably just keep set going. You might oh, have had a better chance. spot out. They would have had a better sure. chance, yeah. Uh, what about the other guys, though? Donovan Peoples-Jones and Elijah Cooper. Uh, Peoples-Jones had a seven-game streak of producing 50 receiving yards last year, but oh, I'm trying to notice a trend here. Under 45 receiving yards in six of the final seven games. Mm-hmm. There's a bit but of a change then. at the quarterback position there. The whole
2: offense kind of fell off.
1: And Elijah Moore, I think that was a pretty— I like Moore. Good addition, but also an addition they had to make. Because if it wasn't for that, Cooper and Peoples-Jones would have been on an island out there. There would have been no one else in the receiving
2: game. Very true. And I like Amari Cooper, but he has crazy home-road splits over his career, too. Really, really bad player on the road compared to home all through his career, which is odd.
1: Now, David Njoku, no tight end last year, had more red zone targets other than someone named Travis Kelsey uh, among NFL tight ends. And amongst all tight ends, Njoku finished eighth in both receptions per game and receiving yards per game. Njoku, to me, is just kind of that guy that you've been waiting to break out though, mm-hmm. because he's got all the tools to be a Kelsey and an Andrews, and he's just never put it together. But he, the thing that scares me about him every time the Steelers play the Browns is he can do that against any given team. Very and he does it at least once or twice a season. So, like, yep. maybe you spin the roulette wheel and the ball lands in your spot where Njoku goes for 100 yards and he catches two red zone yep. touchdowns.
2: And I think it, the roulette wheel hits... Last year, every year it hits a little bit more. So he's getting so he's a little better. each starting to get better, better. like three year. times, then four
1: times. He's then always five. been a
2: flash player, but he's flashing a little more lately. And they just gave him money. So don't sell him short.
1: No, I mean, and they believe dangerous. in him. Yeah. 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 And tight ends, as we always say, bloom late. They do. They part. do. So one last note on the offense before we flip to the defense Jack Conklin injury. Pretty good news for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. You don't want to wish injury on anybody, but you'll take it if it happens. Highsmith had four sacks last year against the Browns in one of their meetings. Mm hmm. Watt had four sacks in Big Ben's Heinz Field finale against the Browns a couple of years ago against Baker Mayfield. Okay. Put him right back in. Remember, people were kind of cooling off on, is he going to break Strahan's record? Then he had four sacks against the Browns. Head into right. last year okay. Oh, okay, he that might break wrong. Strahan's record. Overall, last year, the Steelers sacked the Browns nine times between two games. So an injury wow. to the Browns' offensive line, which is pretty damn good. Uh, I think the Steelers will take that.
2: So Dale and I just recorded an episode of The Drive, and he found this out, too, which I didn't know. For his career... Watt averages a sack and a half per game against dominates the Browns. Dominates Cleveland. Against the Browns.
0: Mm. Dominates Cleveland. I mean, that's a huge number. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Browns defense. It's
1: just like Chubb being the man on offense, there's clearly one man on defense that stands above the rest. Miles Garrett. That might be a bit of an understatement though, Matt, because in the context of the Browns pass rush, he's never had a teammate reach double digit sacks. Uh, Zadarius Smith has accomplished this in three of the past four seasons. So the Browns trying to go outside of the organization, yeah, they're, bring they're someone them. in. Uh, Garrett was the most double teamed edge rusher in the league last year at a 3.13 percent rate. and Garrett's 16 sacks accounted for 47 percent of the Browns team sack production. Uh, Taven Bryan last year was second on the team with just three sacks, so they three sacks, three sacks 16 to two. three, <laughs>
2: right? He had like half their sacks, as you just mentioned. So what'd they do? They went and got a Conquo from Houston. they got Sedaris. Got some established guys. They drafted a couple dudes, and they got Tomlinson on the inside. So, I mean, it was really Miles Garrett in the pips. I mean, there was nothing else around him. No wonder he gets doubled like crazy. Not the case this year. In terms of position groups, it's one of the most improved in the league.
1: And it also has a new leader in Jim Schwartz, who's a very Mm -hmm. accomplished defensive coordinator in the NFL. And he used Garrett a little uniquely uh, against Cincinnati. Uh, Garrett lined as an off-ball linebacker for four snaps. Those four snaps resulted in a sack and three incomplete passes. Until this year, Garrett has aligned off the ball just 21 times. So four times in just one game last week, uh, 21 previously in six seasons. Garrett has also dropped into coverage in the game against Cincinnati on several occasions as well. So they're using it something them different. And, and you know what? When a defensive coordinator like Jim Schwartz comes in, why wouldn't you, mm-hmm. you know, take the thoroughbred out of the, the barn for a
2: little bit and run him around a little bit uniquely if you can? Yeah. Uh, I mean Garrett, it was, it was who's to say record.
1: Garrett can't cover real quick? He's fast. He's a freak. He's long as hell. I and you mean you just
2: don't expect it. You know, you roll your coverages that way and he doesn't come all of a sudden you're wasting blockers, you know, things like that. So and those other guys I mentioned are good enough pass rushers that you could do it once in a while.
1: Now, one thing about the 2022 Browns defense—they started well, average of 2.3 points per first quarter of games. That was the best in the league, mm-hmm. but they were 19th best in the second quarters and 26th in the third and fourth quarters. So they started faded hot fast. And then get beat up,
2: yeah, because they didn't stop the run well. They get worn down and worn down and worn down, yeah. 139.
1: Yep. 135 yards per game on the ground last year. They did have a great passing defense though. Fifth in net passing yards allowed and fourth in completion percentage allowed 196.2 passing yards per game allowed last season. Only four defenses were better. Um, so Garrett can rush the passer sure. and they have really good options in the secondary.
2: They do. Ward's a good player. Newsom's a good player. They, they played really well last week,
1: but they can't stop a nosebleed. Like we said, they also allowed 22 rushing touchdowns last year, which was the third most in the NFL I know we just talked about how they went out and they improved that defense, but it's still probably the way to go at them, I, I think I so. think. attack them so. on the ground. More it, so than the Steelers did against the Niners, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, 10 carries or whatever isn't going to cut it. No. I mean, I think we know that the Steeler run-pass ratio has to get much closer to 50-50. And both, I mean, probably the team that runs the ball better in this game will probably win.
1: Now, the Steelers fans will want to use the middle of the field a lot more. Is this a better opponent, in your opinion, to do that at last year? Everybody's a better opponent. Than the Niners. <laughs> yeah. So that was a loaded question that I threw yeah. at you. But the Browns were still pretty good at defending the middle of the field last mm-hmm. year. Teams didn't even mess with it. 18% of the throws were between the numbers last year against the Browns. Only the Jets saw less than that. They first Burrow last week to throw 71% of his passes outside the numbers, too, which is the most in his career, Mm -hmm. and he did not play well. He had one of the worst performances I could ever imagine Burrow having. Uh, He averaged under two yards per throw on the passes outside the numbers.
2: Their numbers across the board, Cincinnati's offense, were rare. I mean, like I think their longest completion was 12 yards. I mean, they threw to T. Higgins eight times. He caught zero of them. I mean, like, this stuff you don't see.
1: Now, also— in addition to adding guys like Zadarius Smith and Nkwankwo that can help in the pass rush, they blitzed 38% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks. And on those instances, Burrow was 2 for 11 for 16 yards. Uh, Burrow was only blitzed 16% of his dropbacks last year in the NFL. So Schwartz came in and obviously mm-hmm. was grinding that tape a little bit longer than some other teams because it's their first yeah. opponent. And he was like, why is no one blitzing this guy? I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at him. 38% blitz rate is pretty crazy. He was like
2: lowest in the league and then they he did was, the total yeah. opposite. Now, is that going to be a Schwartz thing or is that a Burrow, that specific, a Burrow thing? specific matchup? Is that a Burrow we'll specific I mean, I thought it was noteworthy, though.
1: I will say this, though. We might not find out if that's a Schwartz thing or a matchup specific thing even this week because I think the matchup this week would tell him to blitz Kenny Pickett as well. I would assume. He's
2: a young quarterback. You're going to want to hit him. You know?
1: Yeah. Here's one stat that Steelers fans are going to hate before we get to key matchups and wrap up here. Browns forced a three and out on 36% of their drives last year. That was seventh best in the NFL. Don't want to have PTSD flashbacks if not converting (laughs) and going and having three and outs to start the game. Browns are pretty good at getting off the field in three plays. Absolutely, and they were great at it last week, too. Key matchup should not be any surprise to anybody listening out there. Browns running back Nick Chubb versus the Steelers linebackers. Steelers linebackers were tortured last week Mm -hmm. by the master at torturing inside linebackers, Kyle Shanahan, and Christian McCaffrey's also the master at doing that on the field. Uh, It gets no easier this week with Nick Chubb.
2: No, it doesn't. It's a much different challenge in terms of what they throw at you with Debo crossers and the running back receiving skills. But now it's got to be be gap sound, get Chubb on the ground, don't let him free, more traditional run fits.
1: And I'm sure you could put this together too. On offense, the Steelers' pass protection has to hold up against Brown's defensive end, Miles Garrett. Last week they got Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa was pretty quiet, but Drake mm-hmm. Jackson was not. This week, maybe there's a ripple effect. With yep, these exactly. Guys, yeah. So you got to also keep an eye out for that. You want to key on Miles Garrett, but keep an eye out for Darius Smith and other yeah. guys that could, you know, ruin your day as well.
2: I mean, as you mentioned earlier, which was was great. Was well, if you shut down Garrett last year, their second leading sacker had three sacks or whatever. It's like you're not gonna be the case gonna, this year. There's no high Smith. You know, now they have those guys, so it's much different.
1: Matt and I will be back again next week to break down the Steelers and Raiders matchup in Week Three, but. Monday night football has to come first. Steelers and Browns at Aquisure Stadium. Kickoff is at 8 15 Monday night. For Matt Williamson. I'm Tom Opperman. This has been the Advanced Scout.